Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, it's Craig Fowler here once again to tell you about Manscaped. Christmas is coming up thick and fast and you need to find some little presents to go in those stockings or a big present to surprise one of your loved ones. Either way, Manscaped has got you covered. Manscaped is a leader in men's below-the-waist grooming and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TERRACE. Now, if you need a big gift for somebody else or one for yourself, perhaps, Manscaped's best-selling product is a performance package 4.0. This gives you everything you need. You've got the lawnmower body trimmer. You've got the weed whacker for ear and nose hair. You have the liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which maximizes your hygiene routine. You also get the boxers and the travel bag as well with that package. They've also got some suggestions for little things to put in those stockings. Manscaped Signature Cologne, Shears 2.0 Luxury 4-Piece Nail Kit, the Crop Mops Ball Wipes, which make you nice and fresh down there, and, as I already mentioned, the Crop Reviver, Ball Toner and Refresher. All of them would be perfect just to top off those stockings. And you should be glad to know that these formulations are vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free and paraben-free. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TERRACE. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, code TERRACE. Hello and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Matthew Maximilian Anderson. And on this occasion, I am joined by Joel Sked. Hello, Tony. Thank you. And uh, Maximilian is, that's what the, my firstborn to be called. Really? Yes. That, you're not just saying that? No, I'm not just saying that. I think it's a really strong name. That was, uh, that was my confirmation name. Uh, so, you know, when you're younger and like you get, you get made to be religious, even though... You've got no say in the matter. Well, that's kind of what happened to me. And I went to a Catholic school. So they said, pick a confirmation name. <laughs> and I'm like, that one right there, Maximilian, that looks the best. A man with taste. <laughs> so they say, and I'm also joined by a man who has his own feelings on religion. It's Sean McGuigan. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. No, wait a minute. Do you really have Maximilian as a middle name? It's not a real, it's only, it's only thought of in the, in the church. It's the only place it would be considered. <laughs> Like it's, not like it's not like on my passport it says Anthony Matthew Maxwell Anderson, but in my confirmation name was 
uh, Maximilian because you just get to choose so you're in primary school it gets you into it's a good idea getting people into religion so your parents tell you like you've got to do it and then <laughs> suddenly you get to choose a, a new name and you've got all the saints, basically. I, I reckon when uh, Sean uh, pitched up at school, I don't think he had to choose another name just because his name uh, and the way it's spelt was, uh, w- w- was more than enough. <laughs> more than enough, yeah. yeah. Catholicism running right through. <laughs> so, wait a minute, how much notice did you get in terms of choosing this new name? Yeah, like, you, did, got, you did, got... It's quite a big deal, obviously, uh-huh. I, I went Did to, you have a long list? Uh, there's like, there's every single... No, no. Every single name? Very clear. So you get every... It's every single patron saint. That's mm-hmm. who you can, what you can choose. You can right. choose one of their names. So it was your shortlist. Uh, you can't choose nah, Billy. It was primary school, so not, I was pretty much, there's Maximilian, that'll be my name. Max. Everything with a Z or an X when you're younger is cool, isn't it? Uh, I suppose. Like, I mean, Zebras. if you watch, <laughs> if you watch. The xylophone, oh, <laughs> I got the ladies in primary school. <laughs> uh, but no, but like in school, like Zach Morris at Saved by the Bell. Mm-hmm. He was the mm-hmm. coolest character in Saved by the Bell. So that this and that so that became thing. So X's and Z's is what I wanted. Even though I saw that Saved by the Bell's actually back in real life, remade. Not with Dustin Diamond, I hope. No, well, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> but there is they've they've, <laughs> they've redone it. You grew up with me. That's what, that was his quote. Uh, um, but yeah, the Saved by the Bell. They redone it, so it's on again. And other, just it's got new characters, but I think like AC Slater's now the wrestling coach, and like Zach Morris is like the mayor of the of the entire place. So they they are involved. They they, yeah, they two are, they two are in it. Oh. Um, I, I just saw it in passing. Their careers have gone great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think he was AC Slater. I can't remember his name, but I think he was like a big pretty big host. He used to do big award ceremony and stuff in America. But yeah, they're they're back in there. Back to Saved by the Bell. Back. Banging that bloody drum. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are here to talk. Well, Sean's here. So that means we're going to be talking about lower league Scotch football. And rather... Joe's lost something. I can tell with Joe's actions here that he's lost something. He's moving his laptop. <laughs> Joe's panicked because he told me off air. We're also doing a... We're going to be doing number 14 on the top 50 Scottish football, most memorable Scotland games. And Joel told me he spent an hour and a half researching for that and nothing on the, on the, on the other thing he was asked to do. So we'll be excited to hear Joel's thoughts on, I think it's, is it Alawa you've got? Inverness. Inverness. I was, I was looking for my phone, but then we remembered uh, the reason I brought my laptop is because I, can, I, have, I have my notes on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I gave you space and everything on the table. Um, so you're rocking, but... Sean, who we got? We're going to be doing Morton, mm-hmm. yes. Unique Morton, Inverness Cali, so that's either end of the championship. And then we're also going to go to sort of mid-table in League One. And you're doing Alawa, so I want to come to you. I am, as you know, a novice when it comes to the lower leagues, Sean. So I would like to know, in my head, I look at the table and I saw sixth in the league, Alawa, and thought, that's shit for Alawa. Is it right for me to think that's shit for Alawa? Uh, potentially, I mean, I mean, I think there might be teams above them that have similar to, to larger budgets than them. But I think what I find most interesting about Alloa is Barry Ferguson. I mean, Barry Ferguson has now been a manager almost non-stop, with the exception of maybe six months between Clyde and Kelty, roughly. So he's he's been a constant manager since 2014, and I still don't necessarily see any evidence that he's any good. And I, 
I find Alloa quite an interesting club as well. Like they've always had a reputation, or Mike Mulroney has, of making good managerial appointments. But I do think within the last two, they're now in real danger of of their good managerial appointments actually being in the minority. You, you think of who they have appointed in the past? So I died. Jack Ross and uh, Goodwin and Hartley. Hartley, yeah. So there's your three. But then in between that, they've also had uh, Barry Smith. They've also had uh, Peter Grant. They've now had, uh, now they've had uh, Barry Ferguson. And now they're no longer a club that always make good managerial appointments. And, and Ferguson is now, or this, this season, Aloha have, have very much went down a similar route as Clyde fans suggested they might do in terms of he would come into the club, he would potentially fall out with some of the bigger names and the bigger characters in the dressing room. He would bring a load of players in. It would be very much a hit and miss in terms of the, the, the signings that he'd made. And and I know we kind of use this expression quite a bit in the podcast, but he seems to be just throwing things at the wall and, and sees what sticks. And it, it doesn't seem to be going particularly well. And as much as 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 much as Allah will have a squad that is that is okay for this level, I do think if there was somebody who had a bit more about them in the manager's seat, then they would be doing much better than they currently are. I find I find his squad building very very interesting because you, you, you look at it the, well straight off the bat for Nandy Mendy. <laughs> <laughs> so they have he's, he's brought in. I think one of the the, the bigger things for Allah fans at the start of the season and we mentioned it before was. There was a number of like decent centre backs there, and then he brought Mendy in to, to play in that. And folk that have played with him have watched you've watched him. Uh, he is very very fun, but you don't want your centre back to be very very fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, he's not played the last couple of games uh, because he was sent off, and he, he goes from uh, the sublime to the ridiculous. But even uh, further than that. So they've already got uh, Skugo and then but like Charlie Charlie Gilmore Nyang in midfield and um, they got Boyd as well who kind of plays more uh, more as a, a, a kind of forward and there's just a lot of kind of diminutive charismatic enigmatic players which doesn't scream Barry Ferguson no. to me no no but you know when like if like when you look at what a, a manager does in terms of the summer transfer window uh, or any transfer window for that matter and and you see right well I can see. I can see what his plan is here. I can see. I can see what he's trying to do. I wasn't entirely sure I could see that in terms of the, the, the players that he brought in, but in terms of Mendy, Mendy's a perfect example of what of what Ferguson seems to do throughout his career. In terms of you had Andy Graham at centre half, and 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 Mark Dunnan's there now. To me, that looks like that would be the, a, a decent pairing at, at centre half. But right for the word go, he seemed to want to just phase Andy Graham out. And, and there didn't seem any reason for that because as much as Andy Graham is, is advancing in years, Andy Graham could play until he was 52. And I know I sometimes use exaggeration as a form of humour, but I do sincerely think that Andy Graham could play until he was in his 50s and he would still be a better player than Fernando Mendy is now. And I say this as one of Fernando Mendy's biggest fans. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the, every now and again, Fernando Mendy would do something... Like he had a decent game against, I think, Dundee, for example, mm. in, in the playoffs, I think. And you're like, well, maybe Fernando Mendy could do something at a slightly lower level, the bottom end of the championship, the, the, the top end of the league one, whatever. But no, no, and Fernando Mendy is not good enough. And I know maybe Ferguson was blinded by the fact that Mendy played for him at Kelty Hearts and, and seemed to do quite well. But then, being I mean, Kelty Hearts had a budget that dwarfed every single team in that league. How much defending did Fernando, did Fernando Mendy actually have to do in, in the Lonely League? So, so, so that's a perfect example of the kind of things that Ferguson gets wrong. And it, it, it feels like, 
I, I thought Alloa's best uh, best hope this season was Ferguson had a difficult time of uh, Clyde, didn't make it work, has moved on from that and has learned from where he went wrong, but actually is repeating the same things over and over yeah. again. Uh, Look, I, just, I want to come in on, the, on, on Mendy. Uh, I, I spoke with uh, an, an acquaintance and he talked about uh, Mendy at uh, Kelty. So he had uh, Ferguson had him on loan at Kelty and there was times where uh, Tam Scobie would turn and say, he's aging me every day because, <laughs> because of the stuff he did. Just because I think it was so infuriating for a senior player, just like it probably would be, Andy Graham, to play alongside one who is who's someone who's so erratic. I watched him, uh, I think he played in the back three for Rafe Rovers uh, at Tynecastle once, and he was largely brilliant. Uh, but uh, <laughs> then, uh, the, you say largely because there's another part to that, and I always think you could play as a, as a centre midfielder, but I'll have fucking tons. <laughs> but but the thing is that it's not the you can go through every every area of their team and there's something that Ferguson has done this season which has largely made them less effective this season. So alienating Neil Parry seemed like a, an odd thing to do. Yes, he brought in uh, David Hutton, who is a capable goalkeeper at League One, is as good as Neil Parry. I, I, I don't think so. Neil Parry's went uh, has now went to Clyde and, and doing very well and, and probably probably enjoyed getting a right up them uh, the other week. For the forward in the team, Alan Troughton, again, somebody who is advancing in years. But Troughton would still be one of Alloa's better players this season, but he he isn't getting in the he isn't getting in the squad at all. And it, it's exactly what Ferguson has done throughout throughout his time. And if he was alienating those players and and phasing them out and moving them on and then bringing in better players, and you say, right, you know something, fair enough. But it's almost felt like he has broken up the the kind of bedrock of what Alloa have been over the last few years for, for no good reason and, and made them a far poorer outfit because of it. Is, is that is that an arrogance thing, Sean? If, like, does Barry Ferguson feel, because he's such a high-profile person, when he comes in that he really he has to rock the boat, that he must, he must do that, he must make changes and make things sort of his instantly? <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe he genuinely did feel that, that these. Are, I mean, these are all players on the wrong end of the, the, the wrong side of thirty. So maybe we thought it, it was time to move them on. And at, at one point, like th- there is a point that a team, uh, even when they've had the same uh, kind of core of players who have done them so well in, in the past, there is a point that you have to move these players on. It's like at, at, at some stage, Dick Campbell will need to do that for mm. Arbroath, for example, because he has a, a kind of aging core. And, and maybe Ferguson just just, just quit when that time comes. <laughs> <what I'm doing. laughs> And maybe Ferguson genuinely thought this was the time to do that, but uh, he, he's done nothing to, to improve them. And actually, he, he he has now started to, to, to kind of bring Andy Graham back in the fold, and it's probably made them slightly better. I, I think it's it's interesting to see that so Allo got relegated, and he's came in and he's kind of broken that up rather than just try and continue and build on what was there and steal because it was always success. I know like a relegation's bad, but Allo were always sort of one of the teams that. Are, we're always likely eventually yeah, revert so, so is, to that. This is the first time, and and probably since Hartley took over, so I, I can't remember what season that was, but you're going back a bit now. This is the first time that I've actually felt that Aloha are on the slide. Mm. And I know that's, like, even during that time, that that still includes relegations from the Championship. But it, I, I still presumed, every time they've been relegated from the Championship, I thought, right, well, they'll probably appoint a good manager, or they'll they had a good core there that all they need to do is add in another two or three decent part-time players or even the team that's just got relegated will probably be good enough to at least challenge to get back into into the championship from a third tier. 
But this is the first season since, as I say, since Alloa took over that I thought, Alloa, it really feels like Alloa are, are, are really starting to go backwards here. And I, I, I still think they have a good enough squad to, to challenge and they're not, they're not that far away for the playoffs. But I must admit, I don't think they're going to achieve it under Ferguson. It goes back to something I think uh, you brought up <clears throat> at the start. You don't really understand what Ferguson's, uh, what his style or identity he wants for his team to, uh, his team to play. And then you mentioned Dick Campbell. I don't think he has the... Um, the kind of personality or character that uh, he get, get fucked off quicker, so it'd just be he'd revert to screaming and shouting rather than like motivating. Again, this is this is me speculating because I, I don't know what it's like, but that's the impression. The perception, I get. Yeah. the perception that you get is that he's he's not as um, I, don't, I don't think he's as much of a man manager. As, as good he's man shy, manager get him out. Level. He's shy, get him out. Then and then just rinse and repeat until mm. it becomes right. I think I think it might have been Danny Denham who I heard talking about at part-time level it's very much a case of can you keep training fun and enjoyable in terms of bringing the guys along two nights a week because there's only so much you can do you probably can't <laughs> sounds like fives <laughs> you, get them, you want to keep them coming <laughs> And if you can't do that, then that's when it really starts to, to become a grind. And maybe maybe that might be the issue. Maybe maybe he struggles to, as you say, maybe the man management side is an issue. Maybe maybe the, the kind of coaching sessions is an issue. I, I don't know, but it's it, feels a, like there's a, it feels like there's an issue. Yeah, because it, it's, it's a completely different world. And I think a lot of people, including myself, I have no idea what it takes. You just, you've got your assumptions through watching sort of top light, top flight football. And I imagine managers and players all understand a certain standard, but then when you drop it there, you've got completely different characters, all coming from different walks of life, and all who have different sort of things that are important to them, like what what what's actually important to them at different times. So then it becomes a completely different job than it would be managing in the top fight. And I, I sometimes worry about I worry about all top, big big name players going into management because I imagine it is extremely frustrating. Because you're thinking, why don't you just do that? Because that's what I always done. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I do. I, I always feel that that must be and why a large amount of the time the top managers don't seem to do particularly well, especially now in modern day, it does seem to be more people who've gone through the education almost. And a lot of managers at the top level seem to have retired at like 30 and then went into an education. So it might just be Rather than someone being wrong, it just might be Barry Ferguson shouldn't be managing part-time players. He just doesn't know how to do it. Oh, so what, what you're saying, you're advocating that Barry Ferguson gets the top jobs. <laughs> I'd be interested to see. but like, I, Maybe maybe he doesn't have it, but I'm, I'm, maybe I'm making excuses for him because a second ago I was calling him arrogant and trying to get Sean to do that. <laughs> I, would love, I, would, I would love him to be Rangers Matt next. Rangers next <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they would laugh it up. This, that, like, I imagine Rangers fans, they love their own and they love their own vibes so much that they would ignore his entire CV and just be bang into it. Very quickly, Connor Golden replaced by Fernando. <laughs> <Mendy. laughs> if, if there's one thing he's done well this season in, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, a forward player that's brought in, it's it's Ewan Henderson mm-hmm. who are brought in loan from Hearts. But I think that's only a loan deal until January. So he's scored seven league goals this season. If they were to lose him, then, then I might force his hand and some, suddenly Trouton might come back into the team, for example. So that might not necessarily be the worst thing in the world. But bear in mind that that, that Henderson has, has maybe been their one shining light this season. I'd I, I, I suspect they might not. I suspect they might not get better in the second half of the season. Can I ask Sean what from here from now? Because I'm looking at. I mean, Alawa are the most out of form team in in that league. They've no wins in their last five. That maybe could be more. I just can't see it. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> 
But what would what would be a successful sort of second half of the season for Alawa and Barry Ferguson? Alawa should be challenging for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, especially with the league the way it is just now, where there's no Cove Rangers. But the, the fact that Queens Park haven't been as good as expected, Falkirk's been a disaster. I I don't think anybody necessarily. I don't think any Alawa fan expected to win the league this season. I don't think they expected to be as far behind. They maybe they maybe would have been pleased to only be two points behind Falkirk. They <laughs> 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 didn't expect Falkirk to be as shit as they are either. Yeah. Uh, but because to- it's a dangerous world in that league, looking at I mean eighteen points is in the playoff position and then up to Falkirk is only four points between that if they if Alawa aren't in the playoffs at the end of the season then that's been a failure okay fingers crossed anyway Inverness Caledonian Thistle Joel up to the top of the championship I don't know about you I'm I'm relatively impressed with Billy Dodds and I don't know my own stereotypes and my own thoughts and my own perceptions again which happens with these all these ex-players now coming out of the management I didn't think that was going to be the case. <clears throat> no, I thought uh, Billy Dodd getting appointed was going to be a disaster. <laughs> and then yeah. when, when, when he came out with the... Uh, after the League Cup, so basically the, 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 the Betfred, sorry, the Premier Sports Cup uh, campaign was a bit of a disaster for uh, Inverness. And then he came out and says they hadn't really worked on defending. And it was, <laughs> it was nearly August. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like almost giving, uh, giving someone a driver's licence. Uh, we've not really worked on braking yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll parallel park another time, <laughs> and uh, that I mean alarm bell alarm bell started ringing. But they started the season off um, they started the season off so well. Uh, I think they won the first five, picked up like I think nineteen of the. Uh, 19 they kept winning one nil every yeah. single week. So it's like, and, well, maybe defensively they're actually okay. <laughs> that, that was it, and they played. Decent football. I think fans were weren't overly impressed with the <laughs> that, that actual performance side of things, but the results they were they were coming and. You look, look at the squad that he, he built. He actually recruited relatively well because you, you you brought Billy Mackay and uh, Michael Gardine, who will probably come on to speak about soon. <laughs> uh, brought brought them in. You think ideal for the ideal for championship level. They brought in uh, Manny Duku. He showed in spells at Rafe Rovers that he could do it. Um, uh, but it started off the, the first four months. First four months, yeah. Yeah, a spell. Not maybe not spells. Uh, Kurt Broadfoot came in. Tom Walsh uh, returned. I think he was he, he was there previously, and then they picked up a couple of uh, loan signings. So it, it seemed like their their squad was getting bigger. But then, see, I, I think their squad's got better this season. Yeah, so I think, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, I think since Inverness have come down from the top tier, almost every single season, it's felt like their budget has got reduced and the squad has got incrementally poorer than the season before. And I've always felt that, that maybe John Robertson, for example, has uh, managed to make a kind of silk purse out of a, a, a sow's ear kind of thing. They, they've always, they've generally performed better than I, I thought they would. Admittedly, they didn't do very well last season. Uh, however, I think this season, now whether he's just managed the budget a wee bit better uh, or whether they, they've pushed the boat out slightly more, I, I do think the squad is much better, or certainly better this season than, than, than last time around. Uh, you look at the guys that they've lost, Daniel Mackay, uh, James Keaton's has ended up going out on loan to, to, to Montrose and, and, and not getting a game. Like Todorov, like, you know, Billy Mackay's obviously better than Todorov. Uh, Tom Walsh is obviously better than Miles Story. Uh, there was laughter about Kirk Broadfoot, but he's better than Brad Mackay. Like, this squad is better. The first mm. team is better than last season. I, I didn't necessarily expect them to be as doing as doing as well as, as they are. But what I would say is, from the times that I've seen them this season, so when Wraith went up there, we deserved to lose 
like we've only lost a couple of times this season, we deserve to lose. And even the game at Starts Park, we drew 1-0 and, and Wraith were out of 10 men in the first half. But re- regardless, Inverness were the better team and they could easily have taken all six points from us this season. And I think what they do have compared to, to other teams, and I know I know it's not like under 15 football, so I know like it's not, I know it's not like strength is, is the be all and end all. But right through their team, they seem to have big players, strong players and, and good players. And as much as Wraith have that maybe in the back line, they don't have it throughout the team, but Inverness have it right from, from the forward line, right through midfield uh, and the defence. Like guys like Scott Allardyce, for example, who I think is a, a really impressive defensive midfielder. Yeah. I, I, I really like him. But I think that's what they do have over over every single other team in the league. And, and as much as I've have said that I would expect Kamanic to to win the league, in terms of watching them on the day, Inverness have been a team that I've been most impressed by. Yeah, and I think the, the big thing for Inverness is that they're only getting better. I think Billy Dodds is still finding his his way and yeah, he's came in, he's added to the squad and he's started to work on uh, started to work on the defence but they're also adding more goals. Of course, they, they hammered uh, Morton 6-1 which I'm sure uh, we'll get to. I, I, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll come up against def- <laughs> I, don't think they'll, I don't think they'll come up against defending of that standard every no, single week. But, but, but then even the, even the game before that they're, they're beating Kilmarnock so yeah. it's like, like in terms of back to back, you've seen that, that was the, that was the, I'll probably if there was a performance to kind of sum up in Marinesi's season so far, it was that one 0 win over Kilmarnock. And a big a big thing for Dodds was taking out Wallace Duffy and Cameron Harper as their fullbacks, bringing in David Carson, who has been one of the best uh, players of the season. Where he had a family bereavement and he left, and they kind of that's when they, they hit the rebump in the middle of what well, the campaign so far and then they've got um, Robbie Dees on the left hand side they're really impressed with him uh, when uh, even before he came into Inverness as a centre back uh, but he's looked really assured at left back Kirk Broadfoot I mean, even in the Premiership last season, the season before, he was still uh, the season before he was good, a good, a good, yeah. a good centre back, a strong centre back, and you think in in the Championship in Inverness, and it's probably kind of similar like to better going to Reef Rovers that they just have this know how and they do look a lot better. And I think you 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 picked out Scott Allardyce, and I think he has been the kind of the bedrock. Uh, if there was some, if there was a player to almost. Um, personify this Inverness side it's him and yeah the I think he, he switched between a 4-4-1-1 and a 4-2-3-1 but they've got in behind uh, Billy McKay who wore, didn't start the season um, regularly just because of his, uh, his recent injury they did have Gardine again we might come with that <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so you, you, the options right in behind you've got Aaron Doran um, who's getting running games and he's, I mean we've watched him from in the Premiership Tony mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was, he was a good player Um He's always been that, that stocky player, but he's he, he, he's capable bit of magic. Uh, Tom Walsh, he, in, in behind Shane Sullivan as well, another like big player, yep. really mm-hmm. physical yep. player, and they are a very difficult team uh, to uh, to play against. I, I I do I do think they're just a team that's going to get better and better. It'll be interesting to see how they do without Gardine. If if it is the case that he is, uh, after um, you finish, I'm going to ask Joel why it might be the case, but. Carry on. Uh, we're just to see how <laughs> cope with him. If he is no longer part of the of the uh, Caledonia squad, because he is, he's a, he's a top goal scorer. He, I think, he's had like the most assists. He is. You'd I mean, say he's almost undroppable. So he must have done something up until this. Up until the the most. Up until very recently, he was far and away the best player. And oh. I did think. I did think. And he's just been dropped for for no real reason. Uh, I did think without him, they, they might struggle a wee bit. Uh, Billy Dodds mentioned it as personal uh, reasons. Personal reasons. Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, I, 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 Are you a journalist, Joe? <laughs> you may have done some digging. <laughs> 
allegedly he allegedly with three lines underneath it I, I was going to say that perhaps if you wanted another reason that you, you may have to you might, you might just go online go you, on may, you might want to go on Pine Bovril or Twitter Twitter or Pine Bovril will paint a, a clearer picture a, a much clearer picture of Michael a sordid Gar- picture a sordid picture of uh, Michael Gardine's character and if, <laughs> if you know if you know Michael Gardine's past i.e. the person caught masturbating in uh, uh, Ross County dressing room <laughs> and that's not allegedly that's, that's not allegedly oh wow <laughs> um, I mean when you say caught it, it wasn't caught it was filming his colleague was filming him. a teammate was filming oh you mean it's like like, just, like, like, Lamp, just... like Lampard that time when they were all shagging that bird on the on the on the video and he's just standing in the corner wanking so it's all what completely I don't know what it is alright well you can look it up there's more things to be found on the internet of course uh, but well so Gardine's just sitting in the corner deliberately wanking on camera uh, I, I think a, t- a teammate filmed uh, on Snapchat and uh, I think it got it and it didn't he delete right away before someone screenshotted what a I, shock I think, it, I think it was playing with himself um, which is uh, just another phrase for wanking bro. <laughs> In, in a more jovial sense rather than a sexual sense is that what you're trying to insinuate yes yeah I think so I think I don't think it was yeah. masturbating jovially <laughs> in terms of sex. at work <laughs> <laughs> go for a wee jovial wank at work <laughs> I, 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 I'm typing frantically to see if uh, if it was reported. Um, <laughs> I'm just be I'm the bit called the show allegedly. <laughs> I didn't know that about him. Um, sort of having a wee. Ch- I know you have mentioned it. And I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that the ch- so much goes up in oh, that. Here we, go, here we go. Yes, here we go. Yes, here we go. Yes, Thank you. Yes. Oh, so we didn't have to say allegedly about this bit. No, because uh, Ross County star Michael Gardine filmed performing sex act in dressing room uh, or at work as the club launched <laughs> a jovial <laughs> sex act. <laughs> Give him a fucking break. Uh, former Celtic midfielder Gardine admits he acted like an idiot after the X-ray clip <laughs> appeared online. I think um, the Inverness, his teammates would uh, describe him in a stronger word than than idiot. I'd, I'd like to hear that word. <laughs> <laughs> Not the thesaurus we were looking for there. No, I, I've got a word. I've got a word, but I, uh, I, I don't. I, I, I need to protect myself just in case. <laughs> Well, so Gardine sort of character. He won't play. I, 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 it's very unlikely. There is a place. there is a rumor that he is joining uh, those one of the most upstanding uh, pillars of the Scottish football. Dundee, <laughs> Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> is Gardine going to Dundee? That'd be so good. That's a rumor. That'd be fucking great. <laughs> they just they just never stop. That's like it's become a prerequisite for signing for Dundee. <laughs> Stockpiling Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, look at your dressing room and go like Gardine might be helped. Fault in our fight against relegation, but but he's sitting there thinking we do not need to work on that defence, which is uh, making errors left and centre. We, we we need someone who uh, performs sex acts at work. Yeah, yeah, and we'll shag all our wives allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by the end of it, Jason Jason Cummings, Michael Gardine, Charlie Adam, who else have we got? Paul Lee McGowan. Griffiths and Paul McGowan. All in a dressing room. Just when's the work getting done? When's the tactics? <laughs> Jason Cummings doesn't listen during the videos, does he? He's not going to be sitting there going like that, taking notes. <laughs> Michael Gardner, um, in a report, he branded himself in India and said the Snapchat clip was a carry on. We were fucking, uh, well, sorry, we were fanning about in the dressing room. 
<laughs> I just thought he was uh, he was arsing about with his phone in there. If I'd known it was going to be shared online, I wouldn't have been acting like such an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so there's everyone who's been filmed on the internet. Yeah. Um, well, as if like as if like an, under a normal circumstance, if somebody points like a camera phone at you, you just drop your drawers and stuff. <laughs> Have enough fiddle. We jovial wank. <laughs> what? But don't post it. Don't post it. <laughs> Is it just for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Michael Gardine. You were so you were so highly thought of at Ross County. Everything like you were there, like a legend. And now you're falling. I think to go from winning the league cup for 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 Ross County, the greatest moment in their history, and now one of the heroes of that day's a public masturbator, and. Doing very, very alleged, questionable things um, to other people's to colleagues' wives, and uh, now, uh, and now, haven't joined Dundee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Scottish football equivalent of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, talking uh, of, good to know is like as a footballer, if uh, you're um, you for some reason wanting to move to Dens Park, <laughs> then just do something the most lewd. <laughs> yeah, even if you're shit, do something wild. Uh, just drop your briefs <laughs> in the centre circle <laughs> live on Sky yeah that's we got so a contract for life at Dundee so you get away with uh, attacking police uh, I'm not going to go for the list uh, no, <laughs> it will be allegedly yeah I mean if we just Lee Griffiths list will take us a while <laughs> uh, but let's save the podcast from legal from the, ramifications. the legal ramifications and go on to what is another shit show really by all <laughs> accounts um, I spoke to um, I was on Twitter with uh, Twitter, well known Twitterite I'd say Evan McFarlane who uh, was giving me the lowdown on Greenock Morton um, so we've got a team that's in its first season of fan ownership which is exciting and it's part of discussion and it's in its own thing and the most important thing the board had to do was get the manager right and they've just made a complete arse of it. And what he's saying, the biggest issue that's happening in Morton is there's a huge disconnect between the fans and the players. The players are sort of complaining that the fans don't give them any support and they don't celebrate with the fans when they score a goal. There's like a disconnect there. So you've got the first season of fan ownership when sort of like fans engagement in the club is of paramount importance. And there's already people falling off. That there's people taking away that money. They don't like where the board's going. They don't like what the board's doing. And now the players are unhappy. So, it, to me, that's a wee bit upsetting because I think all of us would like the sort of fan, some sort of fan ownership model, to become quite the norm in Scottish football. And to me, I, I get a bit worried that one of the first teams to do it it falling flat on its face would send the fear of God round everyone and then nobody would nobody would ever do it. And the alternative for me personally is hearts do well for that. So I don't want that either. <laughs> so if even though I think it would be good, if it means that we're not going any forward and hearts are shite, then I'm I'm, I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. So they've been in this weird position where they need to attract members and want people to engage with the club, but the core product's so bad, they've won two games at home in a year. They've only won two games this season. But what I thought was quite interesting is it doesn't actually... Despite being so bad, the championship is so bad that with a little bit of work and with another manager coming in, there is an avenue out 
quite quickly. You could be mid-table within a minute. I, I, so I spoke to Craig Dunning, who does the Just One Cornetto podcast, the Morton podcast, and he, he said exactly the same. There's, there's that, that kind of toxic atmosphere between the, the, the fans and players. And, and, and to be fair, that, that often happens when, I, when I, a, a team has spent so long at, at being so poor mm. uh, and you, you, you kind of see it at Falkirk. And I think what the disappointing thing is, Falkirk and Morton have, have, kind, have, have now kind of done the same thing where they... They almost turn their attention onto the fans in terms of, well, you're a reason why we're doing so, so, so poorly. So, Which is so, bonkers. So, so Falkert said, well, we're not doing very well because you boo us. <laughs> uh, you've been shite for five years. Yeah. You deserve to be booed. And, and Morton are, are kind of in the same boat. Yeah, but Alan Lithgow and, and Robbie Muirhead have actually both given gestures to ah. the fans. So the players are actually showing their distaste mm-hmm. in how they're being treated. And, and if, 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 if Alan Lithgow's gesture isn't, Sorry, then is <laughs> out of order. <laughs> but, but that's Two hands up. But, but, but that's just it because like Alan Lithgow was probably at fault for so, so in that six one game against Inverness the weekend. <laughs> Lithgow was probably at fault for three of the six. Uh, Robbie Muirhead has has done very little for, mm. for, for Morton. So so again, he should be very apologetic rather than kind of gesturing to fans. I, I, I think what the, the 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 thing about when you get into this kind of toxic atmosphere between fans and the club you're actually you're only one or two good decisions away from from resetting it so you can kind of see that at Air United over the last week because we want to we all want the hubris we all want to ah. be wankers in the ah. game about our team so it only needs one good thing ah. and suddenly I mean at the Dundee game I was at the Hibs Dundee game I was acting like a clown when I left <laughs> thinking it was all brilliant everything's great Dodge is bad we won the cup great and all it takes all it needed was an own goal. <laughs> and then suddenly my whole attitude's changed. And, and, and that's just it, because like, air of a point of Graham Matthew, and, and suddenly like, right, well now it feels like there's a plan. So oh. yes, this season has been shite, but now Matthew's going to come in, maybe there's going to be, maybe he's going to be in charge of player recruitment, maybe he's going to, I don't know, force Jim Duffy at the door and he'll be in charge of manage, managerial recruitment. It feels like there's a plan in place and maybe the, the future is not going to be so bad. Uh, if Morton can appoint the right manager, then they'll probably get in the right place as, as well. But, the, 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 but don't you think the issue is that the, the team isn't very good? So you go you go to that this, this, this uh, six, the six one loss to Inverness, and it was the second goal they, when they went two 0 behind. The reaction from the Morton players was incredible. So they there were there was boys down on the ground slumped. Uh, so others like kind of keeled over, like kind of keeled over, just out on his. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh, there was there was one player who was like um, who was kind of gestured to the uh, defenseless, like what are you doing? And that's like that's the second goal, and it, that that seems like something that you'd, you'd see where like last minute when it was like four or five nil or something. I, 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 without trying to make excuses, they they already have. Uh a kind of interim manager who has already suggested that he doesn't want to be the manager so they know they don't have to impress him perhaps there's players in there that actually did have a good relationship with Gus McPherson I, I, I don't know but but I, I totally agree that the the team seemed to seem to give up certainly at, at even, maybe even at 2-0 they, they, they gave up what, what, which is which is disgraceful mm-hmm. really uh, being, uh, considering uh, considering all things however when you compare this squad of players to the other teams in the bottom five of the the championship out with Dunfermline is it a squad that's that, that is that much poorer than Queen of South or Hamilton for example then then, then no mm. I don't think it is so again if they can bring in if they can bring in the right manager then I still think that Morton have a decent chance of staying up that said bear in mind the only team that finished below Morton last season was was Aloha, a, a, an Aloha team that were that were very poor 
I thought this squad needed reconstruction, like oh, re- ma- major reconstruction, and and that didn't happen, and that very much falls into to Gus McPherson, and that was his major failing uh, over 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 the summer. The, the, the fact that I was hearing that Jack Hamilton was one of the better or the best Morton player this season. I was thinking, oh, <laughs> there's trouble there. So watching the highlights against um, Greens and Vernes, it looked like he was playing with foam fingers. <laughs> as, as gloves. Uh, like, I... go nicks. And then as the ball just, <laughs> just flat through his... Uh, flat, just flat poking the ball away from a corner. I, I, I thought he was unlucky at the first goal. I thought he was unlucky at the first goal. It was uh, really across in the box. It come back off the post. It looked like it maybe hit him at the back or the back of the head and then it went in. However, it might have been. There were so many goals. I'm, I'm starting to misremember when they all. Fourth or fifth. It was a, maybe the third or fourth. It seemed to that just go through his hands. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, in, in fairness, he is a difficult month ever since Robert <laughs> Borthwick said he was the most underrated, uh, one of the most underrated players in the championship. Wild. They did. Um, they did have a little renaissance in the, in the cup where they managed to knock out Inverness on penalties, but then. All the controversy that came with that is that the facilities were an absolute <laughs> well, dump. Well, well, maybe and that's why it angered Inverness. But I was, because I, 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 I did ask Evan about that, because uh, that was the thing I was most interested in. Um, so he's saying that it's been like the biggest talking point over the last week, and people saying it's a disgrace to house away teams anywhere else in Capital. We need to bin off the hospitality until the restrictions disappear or someone donates us fancy porter cabins there's not a lot else we can actually do at the minute they're, is that okay to say is that seems reasonable to me they're, 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 they're tin huts so it, it, you just imagine Inverness players in there and then they're just uh, it's like down at the docks and it just gets lifted up onto a boat 36 hours season later season 2 of the wire <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> 36 hours later they, they, they turn up they're stuck in the bo- Suez Canal <laughs> they're in Baltimore and uh, Thomas Horseface Macusa's opening, opening up and uh, finding uh, um, Tom Welsh is standing there but I, I think I think it's it's a, again it's, it's perception and I, I, it just feeds into a team that is uh, that's really poor on kind of on and off the field away teams are coming and they are being treated uh, shabbily so for example Kilmarnock were there and I think there were steps but they were just uh, so there were metal steps when uh, they were in studs. So, uh, studs and there was like it was, it was like st- daft stuff like that where it was just like good way to get the opposition injured <laughs> clever if you can't play properly and you can't get a manager and the fans hate you you, just have, you have to think outside the box uh, maybe that's what Morton are doing and before we move on last thing we're talking about the new manager and the list is all the all the all the hits. Brian Rice, Martin Canning, who I've not heard of a while, and I think it's a bit I feel like while I don't think he was incredible, I feel it was very unfair that he suddenly just fell off. Other Matt, Brian Rice, for example, is instantly still being linked to jobs after Martin Cannon's done more to management than yeah, Brian Rice. Uh, but Martin Canning's sort of in there, um Tennis Podcast favourite, Duke Emery's uh, been linked. Sean, I mean none of, Evan was alluding to me that he thinks that the club needs a character who can bring the fans back together. Um, he mentioned John Hughes, and while I know John Hughes isn't very popular with yourself, I can understand where he's coming from with that. He's, he can galvanise people because he is just like, he's the archetype character, quote-unquote character. But there isn't many of them around, I, in no, my, my opinion. I, I would disagree with that. I don't think he's a character. So, so Wraith Rovers were... <laughs> Bear in mind, Wraith Rovers were, were at a lower ebb, I suppose, in, in League One. 
Is John McGlynn a character? He wore two hats. Of Could, course he is. I mean, he wore two hats for like he wears, 90 minutes. He wears a shirt, tie, track, tight tracksuit bottoms with <laughs> football boots. I, I wouldn't say he was a character. He's just somebody who manages... <laughs> really dressed. He's, he's just somebody who manages to... I don't know, make Rafe Rovers a bit better. Yeah. That, that's what Green and Morton need. They're not, not a character. Yeah, yeah, it gets much simpler than that. They, they, just, they, they just need a good manager. Oh, of they just want to give uh, concise instructions. Because you look, McGlynn's a great example. <clears throat> There's someone who has went away, kind of, I think, been impacted by Brendan Rodgers, working with Brendan Rodgers, Celtic, blah, blah, blah. But he's came and he's came in with like a clear structure, clear plan, clear identity. Whereas that's what that's this Morton team need. They just need direction. I can see it being Dougie Emery, uh, in, in fairness. I, I, I think there would be, I think there would be some sense in terms of appointing somebody like Darren Young, for example, who had has like, a wee bit to prove again now. But, and I know it didn't go that well for him in his last season at East Five. However, he, but that was his last season. That's what I mean. His last season, he done well. He done well before that, and then he's got aye. a little bit to prove now. So you can be bringing back a really motivated guy at, who at, is talented. At least he had East Five. Punching either just above their weight or or at their weight for for his for the majority of his tenure, to to go for Dugemney at a time, they 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 talked about this on the just one Cornetto podcast, and I, I would tend to agree. There's a time to go for a, a a manager who doesn't have a lot of experience, and I don't know if being bottom of the championship is is the right. The fan, to fans do raging, uh, players angry, uh, the fans. It is a lot to. And, and although he is a, he is a, a kind of previous uh, popular player at, at Morton, I, I'm not sure if, if Emery would be the way to go. Right, I think we've exhausted those three clubs now, and now time for the fun bit that everyone's came for, slagging off 90s English players. Um, and that's <laughs> all I've done in terms of research. So it is number 14 on the top 50 most memorable Scotland games, and we have arrived at Euro 96, a simpler time. A happier time, some would say. Not this day. Not this day specifically, but just in general. Ah, that's a sore one. It was a sore one, it was. And it was England 2, Scotland 0 at Wembley, and that was on the 15th of June 1996. So, as always, we'll talk about the first. Number one single on that day was The Female of the Species by Space. Oh. Who I know Fowler went to see them mm. recently. Uh, and he said it was thoroughly enjoyable. Oh, that's good. I like that song. Jenny would have liked the day before, Joel, your Jenny, it was You're the One for Me by Backstreet Boys. Oh, there we go. You know that you know that one. You're the one for me, you're my ecstasy. Oh yeah, yeah. That was number Don't one. ask me to sing it, but yeah. <laughs> that, that was the one that they that was just before and the the film, which is a, a pretty big film, and it was like a breakthrough film, I think for Robert Rodriguez who directed and um, Quentin Tarantino done the screenplay from Dust Till Dawn I love that film yeah George Clooney um, Vampires yes well eventually halfway through okay. halfway through it becomes Vampires you'll not like it no it, 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 Dust Till Dawn always struck me I've never watched it but um, seen bits of it struck me as uh, can quite friendly what? That's not a word. <laughs> a thriller that turned into uh, turned into horror. Aye, so, so it's a genre. It's a genre swap. Yes. After about forty-five minutes. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, because I watched the first forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's two crooks, two crooks who have to flee and they end up in a town that's uh, predominantly vampires. When uh, when when Selma Hayek uh, changes, that's that's when you'll have to switch off. Selma, Selma, Selma. Selma. Just ask Rob McLean. 
Moving on swiftly on. Um, yeah, so we had the game. I've got to go back to Ron McLean. Freaks his ankles watching Dusk with Right, Scotland. Uh, we had played the United Six, and this was this was a big game. What had happened in our opening fixture, Sean? If you remember, we had drawn nil uh, nil with the Netherlands, which, if I remember correctly, only really came about because we got away with John Collins essentially catching the ball uh, on the, the goal line, and uh, the Netherlands not getting a penalty, which, which I was all for. It, what I would say about this team was, I I've had a lot of debates uh, down the years about with some of my pals who are big Scotland fans in terms of the, the kind of 96 team and the 98 team and, and kind of every kind of iteration of Scotland in terms of how many modern players would get in this 96 or 98 team and very few would in, until very recently I I, I kind of went back and checked because I knew we had a, an incredible defensive record uh, both in 96 and 98 so I think we only conceded two goals in the World Cup qualifiers which is which is very good mm-hmm. uh, we only conceded three for, for Euro 96 admittedly I'd forgotten that both the Faroe Islands and San Marino were in a qualifying group <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it maybe wasn't the impressive <laughs> what I thought was the absolute jackpot of international football but under Craig Brown we did not concede a lot of goals and I went into this game I, I was reasonably hopeful I, I, I think quiet I think why I, I hold this game in such disdain is because I'd, I'd started working in a pub. I was about to say, I'm trying to work out how old you were. <laughs> so I had a mortgage, I'd been, I'd been divorced no, no, twice. No. <laughs> so I started working in a pub and my shifts would generally start at 8 o'clock so I'd normally do 8 to 1. So I was I was working 8 to 1 that day. So I'd went out, started drinking before the game uh, and was still sensible. So I think I stopped drinking about 5 but I had to go out, watch Scotland lose to England in these circumstances, then start my shift at eight. So oh. by about like, kind of nine, half nine, actually my hangover was starting to kick in. It was a, a, a bad day all round. Mm, that sounds horrible. Joe, what was your, what's your memory of it? How old would have you been? About nine? Seven. Seven, yeah. Seven. I remember driving, getting driven to, I think, my mate's house. Driving? <laughs> <laughs> we were driving at seven. My God. <laughs> we booster seat. <laughs> See over the dashboard. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> he was in one of those uh, Fisher Price. Roaring about the streets of Haddington. I was driving down Haddington High Street. to the lad Brooks put a, put a lucky 15 on. <laughs> <laughs> Bought a bottle of smuggles. <laughs> <laughs> I was driven uh, to my uh, my friend's house and I my only clear memory is just the streets were dead mm. it was absolutely dead yeah I rushed from home to school I was 10 that was a Sunday maybe 9 was it Saturday I think maybe I lied then <laughs> maybe nine, 98 was during the week wasn't it the World Cup when was I at school Sean tell me the Brazil game Oh, I, I think can't, Brazil can't. game was a Friday. Post- yeah, oh, so I think, I think I, maybe I'm getting mixed up about yeah. the two, but um, yeah, I just I don't really remember it all that. I just remember literally watching it. Um, but let's go through the teams. So <laughs> Scotland had, and I, I, I'm just going to say, if anyone who listens to this knows what I normally do, I'm doing nothing about the Scotland team. I've done Andy Gorham before, talked about his caravan antics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I know and I know Joel's the same I'm focused very much on this mid-90s we don't have a caravan with Andy Gorham and Phil Taylor <laughs> <laughs> it was a camper van oh, the camper or, uh, van, Phil sorry. Taylor 
<laughs> so it was Colin Cal- back three of Colin Calderwood, uh, Colin Hendry, and Tom Boyd. And then Tosh McKinley at left wing back. And what surprised me, Stuart McKimmy at right wing back, mm-hmm. because I have no recollection of Stuart McKimmy. I know Stuart McKimmy. I know the player Stuart McKimmy. But I didn't feel like he was in my life at any point as a footballer when I watched football. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten he was still a thing in 1996. I, I think that was the thing that surprised me when I, I checked this team back. Uh, and then we had Stuart McCall, uh, who's famous for falling on a car. Uh, Gary McAllister while, whilst ever maintaining preserving his, his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, preserving yeah, his not, not, not preserving his dignity preserving, <laughs> preserving his drink uh, Gary McAllister who I'm sure we'll mention during the match John Collings famous for press ups winking uh, winking and saying tempo and then we have Gordon Jury and John Spencer up front Ali McCoys Craig Burley Ian Jess who cares that's the England team right here we go <laughs> David Seaman whose most famous moment was Getting the halfway line goal. Naeem uh, against Deeper was a deeper table in the Cup final. Cup final got it. And then also Ronaldinho doing the same term in the two thousand two World Cup. He decided against doing his goalkeeping badges because uh, he would have to study for an outfield badge. So just gave up. What? So to, to get um, to, I think to get your goalkeeping like to be a to be a goalkeeping coach you have to go through certain to, to at a certain level you need to go get your badges at, and you had to go do uh, outfield stuff. How did that put him off? Who, who cares about outfield? <laughs> All I care about is goalkeeping. Um, He's a master for the art, Sean. <laughs> There was a guy Neville who we all know who's went on to have yeah. uh, a, a sort of huge media career. He's a, just basically feels like quite a overbearing presence now in, in, in all walks. Like, not that I'm saying I dislike Guy Neville, just that he just he is everywhere. Seems, seems to hate the Tories though. So I'll, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give him that. Give him that. Give him that. Um, and then and now we can go on to the good ones. Tory Adams, right? What do I have here? <laughs> So you know when I first seen, <laughs> when I first seen Tony Adams, the big thing that um, the big thing that stuck with me was he had a relationship with Caprice. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's that that aye, that's unusual. Fortunate. Do you, do you want to feel really uncomfortable? Do I want to feel really uncomfortable? Yes. No. <laughs> I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable anyway. Tony Adams uttered this line when talking about his breakup with Caprice. <laughs> Sex can be such a drug and could have kept me in the relationship. What? So it could have kept, so like the sex, even though I won't go into insinuate, the relationship was so bad and shit, but the sex was so good that they could have kept him kicking about with Caprice. Well, maybe he shouldn't have been such a weirdo. <laughs> then he could have kept having sex with Caprice. <laughs> should have crashed his car into a wall. Um... <laughs> I don't want to go into it because Tony Adams had a lot of demons and yes, but yes, the, the yes. fun thing is is that it is good to laugh at now because he has totally reformed uh, he lives in the Cotswolds now I think mm. he likes to he says walks around Gloucestershire really help him out and he and he feels great and you see him on the telly now he comes across like I don't find him overly interesting <clears> but I mean he comes across nice jovial a man comfortable in his own skin so he has recovered which makes it okay to talk about this apparently <laughs> uh, apparently Caprice stays in the Cotswolds <laughs> I, I, I watched her recently which made me think of Cody Adam, uh, Tony Adams in um, the worst movie I've ever seen called Christmas in the Highlands she makes a cameo appearance and she is dreadful Caprice is in it sorry Caprice is in it Caprice is in it she's dreadful oh yeah because Jenny was doing this on Twitter eh, all going yeah, through all cool. the yeah, yeah. but she uh, she was still the, better, the best thing in it <laughs> so the headline in this mirror 
um, piece is Arsenal legend Tony Adams admits drunken sex on a bonnet but says Gloucestershire keeps him sober now <laughs> as, as someone who often writes headlines that is wild <laughs> um, so like this is this is this is quite but quite, yeah, quite, why have you left it so I went to a party in Essex took loads of gear smoking weed pissed possibly hard drugs and the gear you've already told me the gear so I'm assuming it is hard drugs <laughs> Uh, but maybe he's made in heroin I don't know I don't know um, he told the time and I had sex with a girl on the car he said dad came round the next day and said you drunk bastard everyone's talking about you you're shagging this girl in a car bonnet who do you think you are <laughs> the shame on the family because it was in a blackout I went you're off your trolley don't be ridiculous yeah I had a few beer with my mates went to a party and I've gone to my grave going no chance but I went to an AA meeting in Hong Kong and this guy came up to me and said, last time I saw you 20 years ago and you were shagging that bird outside the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so brilliant. Like, so he's, he's doing well. And then 20 years later, someone's confirming is what he probably thinks of as his most shameful moment, but thought people were just doing it for a laugh, telling him it. I'm, I'm going to bring up his most shameful moment. All right, Do you remember when he was Granada manager? Oh. And there was that um, the video that clip that came out and it was... Uh, <laughs> we obviously didn't speak Spanish he was trying to show them what to do and he just looked like he was dancing <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah is that when the players were, were slagging him off behind his back on the bench yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there was something the players were doing behind him that, and you could tell it like he was just a figure of fun <laughs> <laughs> by the way that guy shagged the bird on the back of, on up on it uh, then we have Stuart Pearce um, mm. so he was like England under 21 manager what felt like forever like all England under 21 managers they stay there for ages nobody's career ever goes up <laughs> even when and, and didn't deserve to get the job in the first place yeah. because it was, it, was, it was terrible we, Man City manager brought in David James do you remember when he took uh, do you remember when he took a My Little Pony into the into his dugout area because he said it was a a, a lucky <laughs> Like a lucky mascot well, like from, his kids, from his daughter. Kid, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. And I'm fairly certain, I'm fairly certain they got, he ab- absolutely, an they got absolutely annihilated. <laughs> and then and then the camera just panned to it. And, just black hair. And, and, and the My Little Pony was just upside down and lying on his back. <laughs> <laughs> they just turned around and I think it, it's Pierce, he's a questionable egg. Um, I don't know, I don't know much about Pierce. I just, they, he basically used uh, Pollens. Oh, and they played in the same team. Played that, in the same team. That's an interesting one, because there's a few, like, uh, Andy Cole's not here, but obviously Terry Sheringham had a huge falling out with, with Andy Cole as well. Go, tell me more about Stuart Pearce and racism. <laughs> I think it was, it was he, he did it, he admitted met, met it. To be fair to him, he didn't try and play it down, he admitted it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not aware of this. I didn't know this. Yeah, I, I, I don't like him, but uh, I, I'm happy to dislike him more. He admitted it and said it uh, was, uh, was uh, completely <coughs> out of, uh, well not completely out of carry, just said it was um, un- un- uncalled for, yeah. Uh, but his brother was a member of the BMP. Oh, oh, oh yeah. no. Oh no, yeah. I think they're not very good. They're not very nice, are they, Sean? I don't know much about politics, but <laughs> I know the beer. Uh, I'm certainly not a fan. <laughs> um, sure, Pierce ended up doing the pizza advert with Gareth Southgate because um, uh, that's that a, happened. A, a good laugh. Yeah, yeah, I'm a good laugh. And Gareth Southgate laughed at himself, and Gareth Southgate seems to have become almost like a like a figurehead of football, and he seems to have turned. He seems to have met all these people in the nineties that he played with, and go. No, I think I'm going to when I'm the, if I'm going to be the figurehead of another group of young Englishmen, I'm going to do a lot better. And by the looks of things, he has achieved that. Then becoming Paul Lintz, who insisted on being called the governor, 
to people's faces. Imagine. Imagine someone coming up to you doing football and going, and they, Paul, and he wouldn't pass you the ball unless you called him Gov. Where, where have you read this? I think common common knowledge. <laughs> uh, Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson's book. He said that Paul Linston, uh, he, there was a period where Paul Linston wouldn't pass the ball unless people referred to him as a governor. So if I was in a promise, like, let's say I was in that team, right? And I was in a, I don't know, a decent goal scoring position. And I said, Ince <laughs> or, or, or Paul, he, he would just ignore me. He'd sh- excuse me. <laughs> He'd do another step over to, to buy himself some more time. He'd just try to give you a chance, Sean. <laughs> then we have Sicknow, Dan Anderton. Uh, and then, then the low, then the lowest hanging fruit I've ever had on the <laughs> Paul Gascoigne. Um, give me, I mean, you can all go to your favourite story about Paul Gascoigne, Joe. Rather, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was just that was possibly one of the most incredible things you know, that's ever happened. That 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 is very much low hanging fruit, and uh, that was just the first thing came my, uh, my head. No, but that was the most my, incredible you know, thing. But like, my favourite, in a bad way. Just absolutely. Why is Paul Gascoigne there with a vision rod? Like it just seemed like it. it, it, it when people say you couldn't write it, that is the most literal. <laughs> That is the most literal like example of that. But Don't forget the chicken. Yeah, yeah just the whole thing was just—it was incredible. It was great, great stuff, guys. I, 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 I presume it was made up. It was only when I had. Uh, yeah, I, heard it. I was in the park like, and people were passing. Hell, it's real. I thought it was one of those things that people pass through a music festival as a joke. Then I got home. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the drugs don't work. <laughs> it, was, it was when he was. It was his next question. When he said, "Right, but like, like Raoul's, like they, they shot some people, and he went, Aye, but his wife was cheating on me. No, none of us know how we'd react. <laughs> right, well, okay, guys, I, I don't think I'd shoot some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you've got a point. I don't know how I'd react, but I have a good inclination." <laughs> That uh, sawn off shotguns wouldn't be the way I would go, but that's me. Um, imagine, imagine if he was allowed to try and coax him out. <laughs> yeah, but they actually put him front and centre of the of the to try and climb, make him climb that, down. That, that, that could have been the, that could have been the, the turning point in his in his, in his life. I, imagine if Rule was just he, he just fucking loved chicken. So if you put the <laughs> the chicken on the fishing rod. <laughs> Gun in mouth, he's like, puts it down actually. You know what? I've got something left for. Uh, but, but with Gaza, he was he was always great on um um Gazetta mm-hmm. with James Richardson and uh his, his booking off the referee, that was good. Class, that yeah, was good. That was that was a nice moment. And and even though like his younger days when they were always at it, him and Chris Evans and, and Danny Baker, yeah, I'm Imagine this sort of had became issues in the future with alcoholism and that, but that looked like a fun time. That, that sort of reminds me of the nineties very much. The stories of him like he he hijacked a London bus and the bus driver <laughs> let him drive it and there was just seventy passengers. You can't get away with that. And he's easy. just driving down the street with actual passengers in Gaza. Imagine you're on the bus like that. Oh oh I'd be in there though, I'd be like take my take my life in your hands, Paul. See and if, uh, and then he picked, he, they didn't know it, he picked up Chris Evans for their dude, he just stopped it, I saw it, Chris Evans was like, oh my god. <laughs> and then that's it. See, see if I was on a bus, and then it stopped, and then, I don't know, Regan Henry got on Woodard, <laughs> and he started driving, I'd be alright with that, that's his fight. Yeah, you, you do it, it just, and it shows, and again it shows the illness of being a football fan. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be okay in a bus that's driving by a drunk person. <laughs> 
As long as it was Regan Henry. Okay. It just sounds like an episode of Real Ferdinand's. What what was that one where it was like You've been mucked. Maybe you've been mucked. Remember he abducted David Beckham? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he was actually at this, uh, actually at this tournament as uh, one of the young players that they, they, they thought get involved in the squad. That they, oh, they yeah, the like they done with Ronaldo at Brazil '94, and what they done with. And also, Ronaldo was actually in the squad, but they just uh, Ferdinand wasn't good enough to be in the squad. Well, they just brought him around. They just brought him ball boy. It's essentially just 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 because they done that. They had Theo Walcott was in the squad, eh, and they done the same with him to get him in, and that was like the most the biggest oversight of a man's talents has ever been. Well, that's sad because like. Could we recorded a podcast about this other day but like Darren Bent had about 18 league goals that season but they dropped him in Theo Walker who hadn't played any minutes for Arsenal I think at the time um, Steve McManaman I don't know much about Steve McManaman Steve McManaman he was very popular at Real Madrid eh? has the longest Wikipedia page I've ever seen for someone who doesn't deserve a Wikipedia page as he well scored in a Champions League final he, he, he won did. the European Cup there's, there's a couple of sentences <laughs> This goes on for about 10,000 words. Is there anything interesting? That was too long in the North. <laughs> DLDR. <laughs> uh, Teddy Sheringham, and I was talking about his falling out with Andy Cole. I thought it was quite interesting. It all stemmed from 95, just Cole coming on for his debut and Sheringham going off and Sheringham blanked him. They didn't do the sort of high five thing. And they, then that became that an issue. Yeah. An issue I, I, forever. I genuinely didn't. Then they had, they had an argument after a, boat, uh, a game <laughs> against Bolton Wonders. The, the, the remember reading an art, a Guardian article and it was from Daniel Taylor and it was painting the scene at Carrington where they walked past yeah. each other on the, uh, on the stairs. They just didn't look. It's, it's as if you met uh, bumped into someone from like school um, years after and you're like oh, I don't really want to speak to them and then you just pretend not to see them. And that, I, I, that's I, I do that all the time. I just bring up my phone. <laughs> just bring up my phone. Yeah, yeah. Just look at. Um, they, they just they just had to look at the they look at the ground. But no, uh, just on Terry sharing them. I hate him. Okay. I don't like him just because I, I need to I need to make an admission when I was younger I was a Man United uh, I liked Man United okay. um, oh, why, why did you put that air comments? because I was, I was going to say Man United fan but I'm not going to go as far as that <laughs> I really liked Andy Cole okay I really liked Andy Cole Andrew Andrew if you, if you liked him so much you'd call him by his proper name Joe well, even like his music career <laughs> uh, Steve McManaman he'd had the music career they all done that song hey eh? Liverpool you gotta move. No, that was Man United. What was it? Liverpool FC is hard as hell. That was an was FA that, Cup song. Was that number four their time? No, I think that was when he played in the 97. The next six one they wore the... Yeah, the yellow the teams, one. Yeah. United, Tottenham, Arsenal. That was in the old rap. Maybe. I, I thought it was the Anfield rap. No, which just, was a wee bit earlier. Don't just play, but they can rap as well. And listen, the reason listen, I know... the reason listen, I can, you, listen, you've been a DJ, so you'll know... You'll know about <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, always playing, I'm always playing Liverpool's play, is it? <laughs> That's you go, you go. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you're playing Liverpool's play. <laughs> used to go to the Globe in Edinburgh, and it uh, would be on all the time. And then you just stumble across a bar in Thailand. Uh, you going. gotta move, 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 <laughs> like a red trap doing... <laughs> Uh, yeah, because once I had a tape, a uh, cassette, and it was just loads and loads of football songs. Um, like, so like, it wasn't a now, but it was like, because I'm a now, and it was back when people used to make it. So I had all the classic ones that you would know. You're playing for England, England, all that one. But it also had, like, uh, we're going to make it a blue day, Chelsea, Chelsea, all those FA Cup ones. So did these I have, uh, etched did, into my mind. Did I have anything from Dunfermline? 
No, it did was it have, very much England did it, re- related. Did it have their version of <laughs> uh, the theme tune to EastEnders. <laughs> no, but could you talk me through it, please? Come on down to EastEnd Park. <laughs> we'll try and score a goal, and no one can stop us. Some of that. Some of that. <laughs> Apart from whoever we're playing. <laughs> Coming down to EastEnd Park was definitely the start of it. But then um, going back to, to Terry Sheringham, they, um, so Andy Cole was saying that they, they came to blows once. And just as much as uh, I believe that this happened, you can tell it's just so much from Cole's side because he's talking about Roy Keane. <clears throat> so they're, they're shouting at each other because Sheringham's blamed, blamed Cole for a, for a goal conceded. And then Roy Keane comes out of nowhere and puts me up against the wall and he's shouting in my face, what the fuck are you doing, Coley? Sort yourselves out. We're a team. Roy Keane wouldn't say that. Roy Keane would not be, you, we're a team. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be in full blast going fucking mental. So I just I don't quite believe that. Um, but yeah, they totally, totally despise each other. Be- bearing in mind the, the only other time that I absolutely know that, that Roy Keane was involved in an argument, he told Mick McCarthy to stick it up his bollocks. I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine that he said, we're a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like, just, I'm not having this, Andy Cole. I'm very, very sorry. Um, and then we finish Alan Shearer, fucking, uh, he puts his arm up when he scored. Uh, and <laughs> we've got Jamie Redknapp. Um, Jamie Redknapp's done all right for himself, in a way, because when he first started, I always thought he was like the bimbo. And he was there, sort of like the eye candy. A himbo. A himbo, yeah, if you like. But, like, he's not too bad, and he's, and he's stuck around for a while, and he's managed to manoeuvre himself into being in that league, that insufferable League of Their Own mm. gang, that whole gang, um, the sort of James Corden disciples. I've seen, i, I actually I, I, seen someone reply so to... So I'm not saying that's good, but I'm just saying he's done all right for himself in terms of a career. I've seen someone reply to uh, a tweet from the, uh, the, the Terrace, the, the TV channel's... Um, Podcast, I fucking know, uh, Twitter, Twitter, and it was a guy saying, "This is the the." I watched it once. It was the worst, uh, worst thing I've ever watched. And it's related to football, and I'm thinking, "Hold on a minute, have you watched a League of the Road?" <laughs> It's real bad. Terrible. It's terrible stuff. Freddie Flintoff. But they've all made, they've all made, they're a gang now and they get mm. to do other things. And they're always annoying, like, because it looks class when you get that sort of moment in your TV career and then they all get to start going doing like travel shows where they do random and, and they get to do like high octane sports and everything. It's like, ah, fuck, that does look quite good that you just get to get paid and go and do that. Um, but I, I think it's like a, I think it's like a stick of rock. He's like kind of inoffensive. Jimmy Redknapp. But, yeah, but, 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 but not particularly good. A, a handsome stick of rock. A very a much handsome so. handsome stick of rock. Like, considering how much of a creep Harry Redknapp seems, Jamie Redknapp <laughs> managed to sort of like, I know I know him and Louise got divorced, but they certainly made, but they were able to keep their own counsel a lot of the time. And they Craig, didn't. Craig, did you tell if I thought, uh, thought Harry Redknapp was okay? Or, or they did ask him to move move chair. Uh, when they, they were in, uh, made, made him move to the other side of the studio. <laughs> Louise, uh, was her single or was it in her band that they sang the cover of Stuck in the Middle? That was herself. Louise it was her first. Mm. It was her first ever one after she left Eternal, I think. So she had to go for a, a cover because it needed, it basically, it had to be a hit. So we'll have to get a cover. Uh, Eternal had some good songs, eh? See, see this is, I told you, this is, this is the, the difference a DJ makes when you watch talk about music. I'm just... <laughs> I know, I know the Liverpool FA Cup final song from 1996. <laughs> Everyone knows Eternal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What was that one again, actually? Is that if how it went? Let me be, if you let me be. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Oh, I think so. Wanna be the only one to hold you. Was it Louise in that? Ah, she was in Eternal. She was in Eternal, eh? Oh. 
Now you're the son of a man. Good song. <laughs> Um, Steve much, Stone yeah, much, much, better, much better previously <laughs> yeah. Steve Stone people for Nottingham Forest and then Saul Campbell who's become sort of like one of the most almost bizarre men to live he just he's, he's so I don't even mind him he's just so he's funny just the way he carries it's like um, it's like he's almost like a Chris Eubank character right? I, I don't want to use the word weird but I'll tell you what weird is <laughs> <laughs> a way to describe him He's, he's, he's a weirdo, yeah. He's he absolutely. <laughs> uh, if you look to my left, Sean, you'll see something about Saul Campbell's brother. You might find of interest. <laughs> before, before, you, <laughs> before, we, before we get into that, um, so there's uh, there's a couple things for because for someone so talented, he's had his fair share of. Um, Kind of being in the public eye and uh, embarrassing moments because there's the, the whole thing about him uh, just being shit, turning to shit for Arsenal and then just disappearing. But can you remember when he played for Notts County? Yeah, one game. One, one game, game. against Morecambe, maybe? Potentially. Scarborough. And then <laughs> uh, Farnborough. And then he, he walked out three days later. I always remember a Notts County fan during that time because they had, they had the weird ownership and they just brought a. a, a, a Plastic, I don't know, a, a banner to uh, wherever they play, and it just said, We had soul, but he's not a soldier. <laughs> it was the shittest, shittest banner of all time from a great song. I don't know, it's all right. That's pretty decent. We had soul, but he's not a soldier. soldier. Um, I'm saying it's, 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 it's a great song. But just a just a shit banner. And he was he, you you were telling me off here, Joel, that he tried to run for the Conservatives, but he never made it. So yes, he was. Uh, he tried to. <laughs> Sean's eyebrows were raised uh, very quickly. I've, there. I've went right off. Him. <laughs> oh, yeah. he, he, so he, he voted for Brexit, and he uh, I think he went for London Mayor as part of the Conservatives, but he just didn't make the shortlist. So, well, yeah. well, well, I never. <laughs> you can't make you can't make the shortlist of the very recent Tory MPs. You're 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 probably not good. I, 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 imagine being so weird that the, that the Conservative <laughs> Party won't have yeah. you in the ranks. Uh, his brother, um, Saul Campbell, was his brother sort of defended him. I think the word feverishly is the only way I can describe it. Because <laughs> uh, his brother actually got jailed for 12 months for right. attacking a university classmate who suggested that uh, Saul Campbell might be gay. How, how did they attack him? He kicked his victim senseless, shattering his jaw and several teeth during a local football club training session. Similar to all training sessions in Dundee. So is that a teammate? Ah, yeah, yeah. So it was a guy that he played with at uni and the injuries would probably have been much worse if others had not pulled the extremely aggressive defendant away Snaresbrook Crown Court in East London Herd. So he did not, not like his brother being referred to as gay. How how do you find these scandals with football players? Because I've tried it. Like I've, I've tried it on the, the kind of worldwide web, but you must have... Like, do you have access I just, to... I just write people's this, names is, is this, scandalous. It's on the dark web. Is this the kind of dark web? You just type in a, a player's name and it's scandal, and then everything comes up. Like sometimes. I've tried you have to have a wee bit of digging sometimes. I've, I've tried it with this, with this kind of Scotland Top 50, and I, I don't get anything. And then, it's, it's, it's just in the fucking Guardian. It's hardly like I went into the... Mind you, in saying I'd, I'd like Scotland nil, England nil for 18, 1878, I'm... 
boys dying on the first road bridge. Like, how'd you Google that? <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you Google that? <laughs> See, I had one there and it was like... Just got, the, just got this image <laughs> of uh, you, you, you dialing up your uh, like AOL. Mm, 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 waiting for us. Like, oh, I want to I hear what um, Steve Stone's been up to. I, I just want to know how, how Tony finds all these things. Well, Dark web. They're my, it's my little secret. This is my little thing. Um, we barely thought about you. Yeah, yeah. We got beat two 0 <laughs> Gaza done the flick over his head. Gary McCarthy. I mean, everyone knows this game so well. I mean, we barely need to touch on the, the points that happened. Did you actually watch the game, Joe? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, and I know uh, he he drove it. He drove down, <laughs> drove it to London. Seven. Drove all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> the official price has got a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> the I think so. I I think ITV re-showed it uh, just before, prior to the Euros, uh, but it was a couple of years ago. I remember there. Were, oh no! It was it started. Yeah, it started. It started lockdown, and I think the ITV were just uh, just going back through their back catalogue. They had that space to fill. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I so, thought oh, I sit down, watch the first half, and. By God, it was shit. The first half was terrible, but that's fine. Terrible, that's yeah. They kind of played in their hands. Yeah, yeah, well, because oh, yeah. England were already already on a low from the Switzerland game, so we kind of wanted to take the the sting out of that and the sting out of the fact that they had eighty thousand there or whatever, and, and we done it very well. Them, yeah, yeah. We done it very, very well. Uh, but the substitution that they made at half time uh, was it. Was it Rednap came on at half time? Rednap came on. And, at I half think, time. And, that, and Stuart Pierce went off. I think, and it did it did change the game, and we we struggled to to deal with it. And then when they went one up. But then we actually got much better because that kind of forced us to kind of to, to, to come on the front foot. And for the next 15, 20 minutes, we're, we're, we're probably a bit of a better team. And we're probably a better team in the first half as well. And then, um, I mean, there's a debate about the a debate about the penalty. Uh, I, I've what, is, is in, you don't think it'll <clears throat> debate about whether it was a penalty or not? So I, I watched it again about three or four times today and I couldn't quite work out if it was a penalty. Because it, 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 I was interested... But, but, but I, I watched it with the, the English commentators. I thought it was a penalty, but... So, so, so did I. Tony Adams, uh, he was still on the ground. He looked like he did a diving motion. Tony Adams was probably one of the players who kind of reacted to it least. But there was other players mm. who were like, no, that's not a, that's not a penalty. Because he, he seemed to just be lying down and mind that Chelsea celebration they did. And they were just, oh, yeah, yeah. So he, deal yeah he, he, he was a kind of in that position, but he just did like uh, like the, the, the diving motion. But I, I thought it was a, a stonewaller. Like, <sighs> I wouldn't say it was a stonewaller. I, I, I thought he might have got a toe to the ball. Mm. And then Gary McAllister steps up and then far away, miles away in a room, Yuri Geller. Not in the room, he was in a helicopter. He was in a helicopter, I love it, yeah. Honestly, fuck Yuri Geller. And Yuri Gallagher, Yuri Gallagher. Yuri Gallagher. I think that would have been a lot different from Yuri Gallagher. Yuri So He managed to move the ball with his mind. It did move slightly. It did. I will give that an answer. He must say, he couldn't believe it. He's watching, he's like, fucking spots it. Right, right. Imagine Twitter was a thing then. Yuri Geller would have been first person right after it that was me that was me uh, I mean, the, so he's a motherfucking spoon lover isn't he there was a there was a thing before the Euro 2000 qualifier which if I remember correctly was a, a kind of late night channel 4 sport programme which had uh, Danny Baker somebody else on it and oh, I can't remember it was like a, a, a kind of three person thing very much a kind of late night studenty thing and uh, it had before the Euro 2000 playoff it had Yuri Geller on it and uh, John Leslie 
But before the before the John Leslie before the John Leslie nastiness, and I, I, I bet there was nastiness going on. We just didn't know about it. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, but Yuri Geller had had suddenly did, like kind of nailed his mask to the Scotland flag for whatever reason. But he gave uh, John Leslie a, a, a lucky stone, and he, he said to John Leslie before the, <laughs> before the game, look at this and say Scotland win, Scotland win, Scotland win. And, and John Leslie was like, okay, no worries, I, I'll do that. And he put it in his pocket. But it was a, it was a kind of phone-in show, and so. <laughs> There was then this, I'm absolutely adamant it was a wee old woman from Ayrshire. And she said, I can't believe that John Leslie is happy with this. Bear in mind what happened with Yuri Geller at Euro 96. And then so there was like this call where she was like basically decrying Yuri Geller. And then John Leslie went, Is that right? Is that, is that, is that what happened? And Yuri Geller went, Well, yes, it, it was partly my, my fault that, that Scotland uh, didn't qualify. So John Leiser went in his pocket, took out the, the magical stone and then said to Yuri Geller, well, then you can stick that where the sun doesn't shine. Oh. Now, perhaps that was... You don't want John Leiser to be sticking perhaps, anywhere where the sun doesn't shine. Perhaps he was giving him a hard time or, or perhaps he was considering a new home video. I, I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, it was a, 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 an interesting late night television uh, moment. What's he doing to you, Abby? <laughs> Uh, and on that, it wasn't note, a lot of My Little Pony. What, um, are you, what are you doing with that? You? <laughs> um, last thing, Terry Venables and Craig Brown. They would have had a drink after, and it would have been a laugh. I, I don't think Craig Brown would have had a, a, a laugh with Terry Venables. <laughs> that, that, just that Scottish region. I, I, I just think Craig Brown's just like a, a really nice person. Yeah, and, and Terry Venables would have been. I don't know. Is Terry Venables a dick? I don't know. I never. He owns. Oh, um, the last time I recall, he owned like a hotel in Spain or something. That sounds very Terry Venables, I'm walking about. He's, he's on that permatan, hasn't he? Really, isn't it? It kind of feels like a combination where Craig Brown would try and be pals with him. <laughs> but Terry Venables would be like, you're not my type of person. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're just nice. <laughs> Terry, Terry, I'll tell them. I think Craig Brown can have fun. Craig Brown can have fun. No, I think so, but I think... It'd be the opposite way around. I think I think Craig Brown would think, I'll tell you, crap my style. I think Terry Venables likes... Girls in bikinis, and I think Kay Brown like some of the bikinis. He'd be he'd be following Tony Adams about. That's what Craig Brown would be doing. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't imagine them getting on. I can't imagine them. Be, I can't imagine them having lots of things in common. Well, we've all got on, and we've had a wonderful evening talking through lower league Scottish football and the top fifty Scotland games. Now we are going to move over to Patreon, where we're going to get to the serious, serious business of Hibernian lifting the League Cup on Sunday uh, Joel's going to be telling me being a boring cunt telling us why that can't happen <laughs> um, I actually spoke on terrace uh, on the terrace and said I think it will happen yeah uh, it's Unfortunately. happening Doji's back Hibs are back Sean Maloney's coming into the green, big green juggernaut and Ange Postacoglu is going to have a tear coming from his eyes aye I'll leave that up to you <laughs> Thanks very much for listening and come over and join us on the Patreon. Sports Social Podcast Network.